Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strong Woman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Valentine of thepaleomom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health. Which really means I just love talking about science. News and views, where Sarah and I catch up and you get to listen to our gossip. So this week, I'm the one who's super tired. What? Uh, I just got back from Paleo Effects. Uh, I'm still in that. My kids have only knocked me down seven pegs. <laughs> so I'm still in that riding super high. Um, it was um, definitely my favorite, my favorite yet. Um, and I, I felt like I struck a much better balance compared to the year before where I felt like I was too busy to spend any time on the vendor floor and this year I felt like oh, I got to like I got to do all of the things that I really wanted to do and um it was just a fantastic fantastic conference I wanted to remind people that um Paleo Effects has just launched a new service called Paleo Effects TV and we can put a li- link to it in the show notes but it's actually an on demand service um they launched it just before like just a week ago I guess well, just before Paleo Facts, maybe it was a week and a half ago, with um, with uh, sixty videos of sort of like their top, you know, top videos from the last few years, and they, um, I don't know exactly when they're going to have this year's videos up, but the plan is to have them up very soon. They're adding new content every week, and they're adding in more of the older videos. So it's just a fantastic resource. It's kind of like Netflix but Paleo. And so people can subscribe. It's only $9 a month and there's no contract. And, um, you know, I guess it's more like TED Talks, but paleo rather than Netflix. But, cool. um, but it's got, you know, everything from, you know, cooking demos and panels and, and, and the, the uh, presentations and the keynotes. Um, so it's a really cool way for people to, you know, who weren't able to go to this conference to still experience um, ex- you know, experience that resource, right? I think I always or I people that did go and couldn't be two places at once, right? So, I mean, if you can't be in all four stages at the same time, I don't, I don't know. I assuming nobody can. I mean, maybe there's somebody who's like has superpowers. Um, but yeah, so it's a great way to. And I, I had more than one conversation about somebody going like, "Oh yeah, I'll catch that one on X TV later." Like, uh, you know, I can't. I'm just going to go to this one and I'll catch that other one, you know, from my couch. Um, which I, I just think is a, it's a great, I mean, I'm a person who loves like watching Ted talks. Like that's something I find really interesting. So I think that, um, to be able to hone in on this wonderful paleo content with paleo TV is just a really, like, it's about time paleo effects. So I'm trying to say, 
I've, there's been a clearly demand for this for years. <laughs> and no, I think, I think it's just amazing. I know from, from the stories that I heard, it was one huge project with many ups and downs, like a roller coaster and launching tomorrow. Oh no, wait, we've got a bug <laughs> launching the next day. Oh no, wait, we found another bug. Um, but it's, it seems to be working super well now. So, um, so I just kind of wanted to, to share that, uh, people can see me on stage with, with Mark and Rob and Chris and, um, and, uh, that's, yeah, that's all available on Paleo, or at least it will be very soon. So I was told, um, I was told you won't need to wait six months for the videos anymore. It's going to be up very soon after um and i think very soon was deliberately vague but it's coming so um so yeah please check out the show notes and, and get a link to sign up nine dollars a month i think it's a fantastic deal so um then i'm super excited and you can already see my uh keynote presentation on ketogenic diets from last year my presentation on um like what's on your autoimmune plate from the year before and then also my cooking demo from last year. I didn't actually do a cooking demo this year. So there's my my bacon braised kale cooking demo from from 2015s on there too. Which was a delicious recipe. So I just, you know, thrown that out there too. Yeah, people yeah. could use this as like food network for paleo if they just went through all the cooking demos for the last couple of years cuz right. that's a lot. Um well, I was sad to miss Paleo Effects for the first time this year, but I um, had planned it for a long time. It was over Memorial Day weekend, which is a family weekend for us, and it was expensive to fly. And, you know, I I was incredibly jealous seeing everybody be together and, you know, drinking their coffee at picnic and eating at 24 Diner and all the things that I love about going to Paleo Effects. And, but I was really happy to take the weekend off and stay home and spend time with the boys because um, I had been traveling. So the timing just worked out best for us this year to not go for the first time. And it was really weird. I got a lot of emails um, in the weeks leading up to Paleo Effects that was like, what? You're not coming. <laughs> Are you sure you should come? And I was like, I just can't. Um, Actually, really interesting because they, they switched their timing from mid-April to Memorial Day weekend this year for the first time. And I think it, it opened it up as a possibility for some people and then closed it off as a possibility for other people. So I kind of felt like it was a bit of a different crowd this year, but it still had that same vibrancy and excitement and uh, community aspect that it has every year. Well, awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear they had a great time and I will definitely be checking out the things that I missed on Paleo FX um, TV and I love when bloggers do blog post summaries and all that kind of stuff so I will be on the lookout for all that um, you know the highlights I know. and I gotta I gotta get some more sleep before I think about that <laughs> awesome um, so now we just finished this um, three point weight loss three-part weight loss series, like talking about some new science about weight loss studies and stuff. Yeah. So we got some really amazing questions. 
And I think we need to extend our like weight loss paleo view mini series <laughs> one more. Um, because I think we've got this really fantastic question that I think is going to give us the opportunity to kind of put that those studies into a greater per, greater perspective and then hone in on some of like the actionable practical stuff and the troubleshooting. I think it's gonna be really good. Are you up for it? All right. So this question is from Stella and I'm going to read her whole background and her question. Um, as it, it all ties in. Um, so Stella, thanks for the, I think gets the award for longest question I've ever read on the show. Um, so her and question that's, is a, that's quite a, an accomplishment, Stella. Yeah. <laughs> questions. I, I mean, I have to go back and actually do a word count and whatever. I'm not going to do that. It's certainly the longest question in a while. Um, so Stella's question is about, um, weight loss after su substantial weight loss and then regain. I know that's something. I have personal experience with. Uh, so here's your question. I share a multi-generational home with my kids, ages 12 to 22, and my parents, age 75. I am divorced from the kid's father. I'm unemployed, a student, and a homeschool parent to my 12-year-old who has an autoimmune disease, juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Diabetes, autoimmunity, and obesity tends to run in the family. My fiance lives in Europe. Communication with him is why I often have trouble getting seven to eight hours sleep or optimizing my sleep. I have been told I am going through perimenopause early. Finances do not permit buying grass-fed meat, milk, or cheese. We do buy grass-fed butter, which is used liberally. I have a food allergy to industrial hemp seed, hemp seed, hemp milk, hemp cereal, hemp protein, etc. I thought getting fat as a kid, as um, I had kids, was inevitable, and I never dieted because I watched my mother struggle for years, but finally I got scared. I was obese, retaining water, and I had to do something. So in 2013 and 14, I lost 70 pounds using a variety of low carb and paleo diets while doing CrossFit and swimming. I went from a size 20 to a size 12, 220 pounds to 150. I felt great. I looked great. Life happened. I got off focus. Carbs crept back in. I became inconsistent with CrossFit. All the pounds plus a couple more came back on. I injured my knee doing yoga and was later diagnosed with a pelvic floor issue and told to lose weight. This January 2016, I started low carb primal and daily walking. I lost about 14 pounds in January and then the weight loss stopped. I have persevered walking, working with a personal, uh, with a PT, with a, I'm assuming physical, physical therapist or a personal trainer. I don't know. It could be both. Uh, working with a PT on my knee and pelvic floor. I keep losing and regaining the safe, same five pounds, and the scale is stubbornly set right around 206 to 211. My body measures are similarly ambiguous. I do not eat grains, beans, sugar, junk, and I limit my fruit and starchy carbs to two times per week. The weight was falling off when I did this last time. So, Sarah, Stacy, I listen to your podcast frequently, and I love it. I'm afraid this is a series of questions related to your current series on weight loss research rather than a single question. Um, when I lost this weight the first time, it was effortless. Two to four pounds a week came rolling off like breathing with a low-carb paleo. And just easy swimming and walking in the beginning, I started CrossFit at, CrossFit at 180 pounds. 
I have not had normal sleep in probably the last nine years. This time I'm struggling to even get under 200, let alone to trim the muscular, to the trim muscular person I was two to three years ago. What I would love to know, ladies, is what can I do to maximize my health and normalize my hormones? I know the basics, sleep, grains, nuts, carbs, sugars. How does one lose 100 pounds the second time around, Sarah? Oh, it goes right for the, right for the gut. What worked for you? Stacy? my body image is abysmal. How can I feel positive about my body when I feel weak, fat, and like my metabolism is totally broken and will never work again? What worked for you? Sarah, how can I have normal sleep when the only time my man and I can connect and talk is at 12 a.m. my time? You two may have answered some or all of this elsewhere, and if so, please hit me with the links. I'm persevering because I hate how I feel on the sad diet, but losing weight the second time around seems impossible, and it is so, so discouraging. Sarah, you are a smart lady and can read the research. What does a person like me, formerly obese, lost a ton um, fast on paleo, regained it fast, and is now trying to lose it again? up against metabolically and how can I address it? I know you are doing a podcast series on weight loss research. I would love to see some more info on this sort of thing. Links would be amazing. Info would be amazing. Sarah, I own and love both of your books. Much gratitude to both of you ladies for all of you to do. Best regards, Stella. Kind of started to feel like I was reading like a really long postcard. It's lovely. I loved it. <laughs> um, well, for, first of all, from my perspective, kudos to Stella for like, owning what's happening in her life and trying to do something about it. Cause I think that's the most difficult part when we fall off the wagon, so to speak is like choosing to get back on and determining like what you want your path to be and making the choices to get there because it's, it's easy to fall into a hole where you don't feel good about yourself. And then you make decisions that are actually self-destructive instead of um, helping heal and um, doing positive things for you. So from that perspective, the specific question that she asked me, because everything else is basically for you, <laughs> um, is just, you know, kudos about getting back on that. And I would say the question, how can I feel positive about my body is, is choosing to do that. You know, some days we all get up and we don't feel good about ourselves or what you know, what we look like or the choices that we made the day before, but focusing on the negative and thinking, oh, you know, I really messed up X, Y, or Z is only going to make you feel more negative and more stressed out and put you in a negative cycle versus saying like, you know what? Everything's great. I feel fine. I'm healthy. I have, you know, think about all the positive things that you have in your life. For me, you know, I say like, I have three healthy, happy young children who I love and who love me. I have, you know, a husband, I have a home, I have a great job, I have everything that I need in my life to feel good. And, you know, whatever it is that you have in your life to focus on from a positive perspective, I just, I try to focus on those things and less about, you know, what my appearance is and more about who I want to be and what I want my life to be. And those kinds of things lead me to then make the best choices that I can. No one is perfect. Sarah nor I never have ever pretended to be perfect. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's there's no shame or guilt or anything like that that's going to, you know, produce anything positive in your life. So I hope that that's helpful. I've soapboxed about this so many times. I feel like, Stella, I you've probably Every heard it before. 
fist pumping the air. So. <laughs> All right. Hit her with all um, the science. I just want to add, actually, that, um, you know, Stacey's point of just sort of, you know, letting go and, and loving yourself, um, it, that can actually help with weight loss. Like sometimes the stress of, of negative self-image is actually can be a contributor to, um, you know, cortisol response that are holding, that is holding everything back. So that emotional part is a really important part to address. Um, so just to take a step backwards for, for listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with my story, um, I became obese, um, as a teenager and I'm in my early twenties, um, in, I guess when I was 22, um, I got introduced, I'm, I'm not sure about that right now. I think it was 22. I got introduced to, um, to, a fad diet that was a very low carbohydrate diet from late nineties called the new Mayo clinic diet, um, which is definitely not endorsed by the Mayo clinic. Um, and, um, I decided to do it and I lost a hundred pounds in about a year and, uh, took up marathoning, um, and, uh, was in grad school and super stressed and, um, I ended up having a, a major health crisis where it was adult onset asthma, um, but my my lungs became so uh, reactive and inflamed that I was coughing up blood and would run out of breath walking from the living room to the kitchen. And so I ended up being on extremely high doses of prednisone and apartment bound for three months um, and ended up gaining back. I gained back 50 pounds in the first six weeks on high-dose prednisone and another about 80 pounds over the next year or year and a half and ended up uh, heavier than I had been at my heaviest up to that point. I actually stopped weighing myself at um, 265 pounds, um, but I gained two clothing sizes after that. So I I don't know how big I was. Um, I, I don't think I ever hit 300, but I think I was probably pretty close to it. Um, and I, I, I completely struggled. Um, I had incredibly reactive lungs, so exercise was really hard for me. Uh, at that point, then I was a postdoctoral research fellow working 80, sometimes hundred hour weeks in a very high profile, high, high intensity, uh, research lab. And, um, and so I was, I was just working all the time and, so I just craved foods and I, I just didn't have, I wasn't in a place to put effort into my diet. And when I would get, you know, like I'd spend three or four weeks to try and get back to low carb, which is what had worked for me up to that point. I, um, I, it wasn't working. Like I couldn't get through a transition point. I wasn't seeing weight melt off. Like it just didn't seem to do anything. And then I'd get discouraged and I would, um, all face first back into a gallon of ice cream. Um, and I mean, I, that was also the time that I started doing more uh, really strong eating disorder behaviors. I started sneak eating food, hiding food um, uh, so that I could you know, binge in private. Um, in addition to being a, you know, a social eater and, um, and uh, it, you know, it caused a lot of strain on at that point, my new marriage, it was a, it was a, it was dark days. Um, and so I, I ended up, um, 
we moved and I started my second postdoctoral research fellowship. And I was so burnt out at that point that I just started working like a 50 hour week, which is still more than full time, but it was so much less than I had been working. And it was a much, um, much healthier working environment. And without trying, I lost, uh, I got back down anyways, about 255. I don't know. I don't know exactly how many pounds that was 30, 40. I don't, I don't know. Um, and then I got pregnant with our, our first daughter and I ended up having gestational diabetes. And when I went into labor, I had preeclampsia and, um, and it just was not, uh, it was not the most positive pregnancy experience or 97 hour labor. So it wasn't a very positive birth experience. Um, but it was a healthy baby at the end. So that was really all that mattered at that, at that time. Um, but it was when my daughter was one and I realized that I was once again, I was on the border between pre-diabetes and type two diabetes that I uh, really found the motivation that I wanted, I wanted to lose this weight again. And I went back on a low carbohydrate diet with calorie counting. So I was doing, um, low carb and maintaining 15 to 1600 calories a day. And that worked, but I didn't get as light as I did the time before. So I, I hit, um, I hit a plateau. I got pregnant again, lost the baby weight, hit that same plateau, and then was, you know, having a lot of health issues. So my skin was a mess. I had um, psoriasis, lichen planus, uh, eczema, cystic acne. Um, I was having mood issues, irritable bowel syndrome, very severe acid reflux. My asthma was horrible. My allergies were horrible. I was having migraines very frequently. Um, so it was all of those other health issues that brought me to paleo. And when I went to paleo, I pretty much instantly lost 20 more pounds. I mean, not in two months. It was two months, but it felt pretty instant because I hadn't lost weight that fast in a long time. Um, and now I've maintained that I've put on some muscle since then, but I've maintained that, um, ever since. And so, um, and so I'm, I, I never, I never hit uber lean, but I hit really healthy and it took me a while to let go of, of even wanting to be super lean. Like it took me a while to be like, no, wait, I'm really healthy. I can do some amazing things at the gym. I have great energy. I sleep super well. My moods are amazing. I don't have migraines anymore. I don't have irritable bowel syndrome anymore. My skin is gorgeous. Like, what else do I need? I can buy clothes at a regular at a regular store. I feel comfortable. You know, I can move my body fast. I can lift heavy things. This is it. This is the health goal. And I had to just switch my goal from thinking about um, a number on the scale and what number I wanted to reach to thinking about, you know, how I feel, what does my blood work show? Well, my blood work's perfect. So, you know, like that's, those are things that are much more important indicators of health, not just from my perspective, but, you know, pretty objectively speaking. So, um, all of that being said, I spent seven years in between losing weight the first time and losing weight the second time. And then it was still um, two years between my second pregnancy and when I found paleo. So I am, you know, basically spent a decade <laughs> knowing that I did once lose weight and run some marathons and wanting, or at least thinking I wanted that back and feeling completely frustrated that, that things weren't 
my body wasn't responding to what I was doing. So to take some steps backwards to like, why isn't the body responding? The number one thing um, that I think is a, a likely culprit is, is stress. Cortisol is uh, a wonderful, essential <laughs> hormone that is also a huge jerk. And um, if cortisol is high or if cortisol is not cycling properly with the time of day, um, that can just put a complete blocker on weight loss. And it's basically just saying like, nope, <laughs> something bad is happening. We need this energy. Um, you know, your cortisol doesn't know that you're, you know, not getting enough sleep and you're, you're, you know, homeschooling your 12 year old and it doesn't know the difference between that or you're, you know, running away from a lion. It, it doesn't know the difference. So it's going to try to protect you the way it thinks it might need to if you get mauled and you need to lay low and recover. So, um, so it's going to, it's going to help you hold on to all of your, your, your energy. So that's, that's the number one thing. Um, other things that could be culprits is uh, preclinical hypothyroidism. So a thyroid that's just not working optimally or undiagnosed hypothyroidism. So definitely talking to your doctor about having a full thyroid panel done. Um, if you can find a, um, a healthcare profession to work with to do cortisol testing, that can be super, super helpful. Um, and sleep. I mean, we know that not getting enough sleep um, slows our metabolism. It increases inflammation. When we're inflamed, we don't access word body fat very well. Um, we know that not getting enough sleep um, is a stressor and increases cortisol. We know that not getting enough sleep increases cravings. It increases food addiction. Um, it lowers our energy. It lowers our motivation. It lowers our moods. So Stacy, this is my question I'm going to throw back to you. Solutions for Stella getting 8 hours sleep with her fiance living a many too many time zones away. So I guess it would depend on what time zone the person is in, but when we were when I was overseas, I actually had the best luck midday with Matt because he was just waking up and I was um like in that uh one o'clock to whenever my bedtime was um he was awake so while I understand that everybody has schedules and you have a job and that kind of stuff like for me sleep was so important um that he got sleep and I got sleep that we made time um, when we were both awake. And so we touched base in the mornings before the kids went off to school, which was like midday for me. And then um, if I, you know, needed to talk to him further, um, I would send him like a, a text messenger, um, in your case, email. It's just that I didn't have email access that he would get when he woke up that would say, hey, I need to talk to you. Let's do it at such and such a time. So I... um I know it's difficult to have meaningful conversations that you don't feel like are time constricted, um, either in the morning or midday. But, you know, if you plan to have that conversation over your lunch break and you kind of built that into your day or, or your schedule somehow, it even if, you know, you said, okay, let's try it for one week and tried to adjust your schedule a little bit, you know, the, 
the value that I think that that would bring to having quality sleep might be worth the effort or the change. And um, I think it's just really about breaking that habit and finding a time that can work for you both that's different than what you've been doing for a while. Um, that's going to be the, you know, the, the difficult thing there, but it's, uh, it's worth it in my opinion. I mean, there was one or two days where I stayed up because the boys were, you know, off from school and I wanted to talk to them. And I know there was a day when my sister stayed up to talk to her son after he got back from home and the next days were just awful for us. Like they, they were miserable and I can't imagine you know, what that would do to one's um, circadian rhythms and hormones and mental health over long term. I know Sarah and I have talked a lot and Stella, you mentioned that you listen to the show, you know how important sleep is. And so if you're doing that chronically, you're affecting your body's hormones and inflammation levels and all that kind of stuff chronically. So coming up with a way that you you can still talk to your loved one, which is very important. You know, we talked about emotional health as, as contributing to physical health. So, you know, you don't want to deprive yourself of contact with someone that you love, but doing it in a way that, you know, you can make it work. I know for me, if that were my situation, I would do Skype on my lunch break at work. And I would just, you know, we could physically talk face to face and I'd, you know, take take a break from work every day at a certain time and just make that happen. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's also, Stella, a really important thing to remember that it's a way that your fiancé can support you from afar. Like, it's it's actually something, a, a really wonderful thing that he can do um, to, to show how much he loves you to help work with finding a different schedule so that you can get your sleep. Um, the other thing that Stella mentioned is that... Um, that I, I forgot to sort of address was that she hasn't had normal sleep in a long time. Um, and, you know, some of the causes of that can be things like, you know, stress, um, not very well entrenched circadian rhythms. So, um, you know, sleeping in a dark room, going to bed at the same time every night, um, spending some time outside during the day, keeping the lights dim in the evenings are all really important things for training your body when to sleep. And when your body knows to expect sleep, it slides into a deep sleep more easily. And that deep restorative sleep is probably the sleep that Stella is missing out on that is so, so important. Um, so some of the things that can, can help, you know, of course, there's for, for any of our other listeners who are dealing with sleep issues, this is all detailed uh, in, in extreme detail in my uh, online program, Go to Bed, which you can um, find just in the, the menu at the top and the banner on, on my website. But um, but uh, the other thing that I wanted to sort of mention was, you know, especially if low thyroid might be a thing or stress might be a thing, going too low carb might not be helping Stella out. So a little bit of carbohydrate helps pretty dramatically with T4 to T3 conversion. And a little bit of carbohydrate actually helps sleep quality pretty, pretty substantially, especially starchy carbs later in the day. Um, so maybe instead of, I mean, it's, it's sort of hard. She says that she's limiting fruit and starchy carbs to twice a week. Um, maybe put in a serving of starchy carbs every evening at dinner. 
um, you can still be pretty low carb with one search, you know, one serving of starchy carbs. Think, think a hundred grams of carbs a day instead of 50, right? Like for 150, it's still pretty low carb. You're still in that, in a really good place in terms of metabolic flexibility. Um, but, uh, without triggering some of the things that can happen with really low carb, um, some of the things that can happen, I mean, really low carb can actually cause insulin resistance, um, and it can cause leptin resistance. And then those are things that aren't conducive to weight loss um, or weight loss maintenance. So, um, you know, it's sort of hard to know without getting a good functional medicine specialist to get in there and test, but uh, increasing carbohydrates a little bit. And so, um, you know, maybe with the goal of a full serving of starchy vegetables every evening, but maybe work up to that. So maybe start with a half serving and then, and then work up to a full serving if, if, um, if you think it'll help if your body has a little bit more time to adapt. I would, I just want to echo that. I'm glad that you said it because, you know, we've, we've talked um, tangentially before in some aspects, but there's, there's information out there that you, that um, Stella can look into that says, you know, jumping to any, any sort of, uh, carbohydrate diet change like that can disrupt more than it can help. So if you're adding or you're subtracting, doing so, like try to go 10 grams a day at a time, even if it's just like every single day you change it, allowing your body to have that adjustment versus just like adding a bunch back in or taking a bunch away um, can shock your body in kind of a negative way. So, And there are um, a lot of stories of people out there who um, because low carb can, especially in women, trigger some some stress response um, pathways. There are a lot of stories out there of women who add more carbohydrates back into their diet, and all of a sudden, weight loss just starts happening again. So, thinking more about you know what we've been talking about in this series, right? Focusing on more satiating foods, meat and vegetables, um, and and having a sense of your energy intake. You know, making sure that you're getting that energy deficit. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean having to measure portions or count calories, but just being aware of that, um, which my guess is Stella is, um, and then increasing carbohydrates a, a little bit, it can help pretty dramatically with stress response, hormone regulation, um, thyroid hormone conversion and, uh, and sleep quality. And then those are all things that could be at play with, um, with a weight loss plateau that is um higher than than a healthy healthy weight i just sort of want to refer people back to was it um two episodes ago that we did the the show on on the obesity paradox and uh maybe adjusting what our goal weights are based on what science actually says is it's actually a little bit healthier to carry a little bit of extra energy on our bodies so um you know rather than aiming to be a size four aiming to be a size eight or 10, I think, you know, is, is, uh, putting most people in a, in a much healthier body composition place. Um, that doesn't mean that we need to accept if our bodies are plateauing heavier than that. Um, we can still tinker. Um, but if our bodies are plateauing, you know, 10 pounds away from our goal weight, it's probably, what do you call it, Stacey? Vanity pounds versus something. I mean, I don't know that I've called it vanity pounds. I know. 
split vanity pounds in the thousand podcast episodes. Okay. Okay, well, like, ten. Um, <laughs> I know you've used that phrase before, and I've always loved it, and I'm just blanking on it right now because I'm tired. As already mentioned. Um, it's but- Well, it's it's really about what is your healthy weight, you know? And, and what I took away from that episode was more about, like, getting your body to a place where it's healthy and feels good versus what it looks like, which is, you know, what the, what the definition of vanity pounds is. There you go. I'll take that. And then I'm, someone will listen back on old episodes and be like, no, Stacey says vanity pounds in episode 13, 27, 64. And they can let, they can, they can let me know what I said. (laughs) I'm sure there's somebody out there with encyclopedic knowledge of what phrases we've used in what episodes. Um, so, um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. It was a long question. So there was a lot of, you know, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, I got to mention that, got to mention that, got to mention that. Um, but I think that, Stella, I think that the take home is you are doing an amazing job. You're working hard and you're making great choices. And, um, it, it is important to persevere. It's important to tinker, but it's also important to be patient and nurture yourself. So, you know, I think there's some pretty obvious places to put in a little bit more effort and, and maybe shuffle things around to, to make a priority. Um, and those are important things to do to love yourself. So, um, keep, keep doing amazing work because, um, you are, and you are amazing. And, um, thanks for, for being an awesome listener too, by the way, I'm just saying. Truth, truth. Um, and I think it's really important for, for everybody out there to remember that, um, it's called a health journey for a reason, right? It It is a journey. Um, it's not, you know, it's, it's made up of ups and downs. It's not always easy. There's always, um, places where life seems to get in the way and it's our jobs to be vigilant and flexible, flexible and, um, and persevere. And, and that's how we make these health journeys successful ones. I agree. And nothing better to add than that. (laughs) We'll be back next week. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Oh, and Matt can't use any of this in the bloopers. Let's quick give him a blooper. Apparently I can't blooper on command. (laughs) Fart noise, chicken dance. I think not have the energy for a chicken dance right now <laughs> but it it's like bizarrely tempting to actually do but that's weird i'm like way too tired for it and yet this and yet i say it and song, you feel the compelled. Song is going through my head already and like my elbows are like oh no you sang the song yeah there you go apparently
the chicken dance is the dance that you have to do if somebody suggests it. <laughs> or I have to do. Maybe I should just own that one. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. <laughs>